Now this one dedicated to the girl with the angel face and the devil heart. It was a rhythm of the check of the most new pop players come to deal with the case. Top up my youth, hear this. I told this little girl her name is Maxine. Her beauty is like a bunch of rose. If I ever tell you about Maxine, you only say I don't know what I know. But murder she wrote. Real, real. Murder she wrote. Murder she wrote. Hello, everybody. This is Kent Hammond with Faithcast University. Today's episode is going to be a little bit of a shoot from the hip type thing, like I did last time. I have a couple subjects in mind I'd like to discuss. Uh, I don't really have a layout. Of course, I don't really ever have a layout, but today in particular, I just want to discuss a couple of things real quick and hopefully I can generate some feedback and some opinions on the subject matters that I'm about to discuss today. I, 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 I haven't asked anybody for feedback yet as far as what they think of what I'm saying about different subjects, what, what they think of my opinion and so on. But I might do that today. Um, so if you feel if you feel like you want to comment on my Facebook page or, or even on my Twitter, something you have to add to, like my argument about something or something you even disagree with me about, you know, let me know. I'd love the feedback. I would ask though that feedback of that nature be kept to the Facebook page, just for the simple fact that. Facebook doesn't limit your characters, so on Facebook I can, you know, I can mount a response that's more than 140 characters, and uh, that would be definitely preferable to, to to not. Wanted to discuss uh, religious freedom today, particularly on college campuses. We hear it all the time in the news and we hear about things where Bible-believing students are suspended, expelled, or some way disciplined by their respective universities for taking a stand on certain issues or for responding to certain questions in, in ways that that the university doesn't like in ways that are unpopular in today's world. You know, this is especially true with like the gay marriage issue. Uh, a Bible-believing student 
can theoretically have his college career ruined and be expelled from school because someone decided to ask him how he feels about gay marriage. And he responds with his honest opinion, which is that, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. This happens a lot, you know. I mean, people get people get expelled for stuff like this, and then they can't get into another university, and they lose friends and all this stuff, all for, like, standing on their religious convictions. And this says nothing of the push that some universities are starting to make to force uh, Christian groups to allow leaders in their groups that openly and blatantly violate their religious beliefs. You know, and it's weird because they're not doing this to the Muslims. They're doing this just to, they're pretty much targeting the Christian students. But uh, I think at Vanderbilt, I want to say, unless I'm getting Vanderbilt confused with someone else, the school basically tried to force some Christian group at Vanderbilt to accept an openly gay person as a Bible group leader. This is an openly gay and defiantly gay person, somebody who's actively, you know, practicing homosexuality. And the school tried to force them to accept them, accept this guy on the leadership team. It goes without saying that the, the group did not cave and they just wouldn't accept it. And they got kicked off of campus. I don't think anybody in particular got expelled. But the group lost their status on campus as an official, like, religious group on campus. So from that point on, they could no longer use public spaces. They could no, or I'm sorry, they, they could no longer use the school space, meaning they could no longer rent rooms for their, their Bible study nights and stuff at, at the university. This happens at universities all over the country. And it's getting worse, and it's going to continue to get worse. You know, it's the same reason that Christian bakeries get sued and actually lose in court when they refuse to make a wedding cake or a wedding dress for, for a gay wedding. You know, society as a whole seems to want to force Bible believers to to cater to, to their every whim, I guess. They want to force you to be, be on their side of things. You know, the question comes ends up being, what, what can we do about this? I've thought, I've thought long and hard about this kind of stuff, you know. You guys know that I don't even call myself a Christian. I, I'd rather not be labeled with the Christian world. But in this case... I call myself a believer in Jesus rather than a Christian. But this is one of those cases, and I rarely defend the Christian community as a whole, but this is one of those cases where the Christian community needs to be defended. You know, It's very obvious that they're being targeted because they're not um, going after Muslim groups like this, and every, everybody knows that Muslim groups are not going to allow like openly homosexual leadership in their groups. You know what I mean? So they're they're definitely targeting the Christian groups. 
And that's not cool because the Christians have the right to practice their religious beliefs. You know, the Christians that are going to any particular school, they're paying to go to the school like anybody else. Why should they have to circumvent their religious beliefs in a place that they're paying to go to? As a student, that kind of stuff scares me. Now, I will say that I have, I have yet to see an example of, of this on, on my particular campus. On my campus, the university has remained relatively hands-off uh, with the Christians. Of course, the Christians don't really go out on my campus, don't really go out of their way to state their like political and religious opinions, but... Still, on my campus, plus my campus, there's a lot of committed Christians here. I mean, there's like four very large Christian groups. There's a bunch of smaller ones. There's like four or 5,000 uh, committed Christians on my campus. So we're well represented, and I think the school knows that if they come after us, we have the ability with our numbers to make a big sort of public stink about it. And I think the school realizes that, and therefore they just... They don't press the issue with us, let's say. And this is not to say that if some gay dude or some group of gay dudes really wanted to press the issue and force the school to do something, that the school would sit by. They probably would put pressure on us at that point. But unlike in other schools where the Christian population is relatively small, we have a large population here, so large Christian population here. So I think the school... It has employed a hands-off policy because we have enough numbers to the point where they don't want to pick an unnecessary fight with us, you know. And uh, I guess I can be thankful for that, you know. One thing I've noticed, though, is that uh, when something like this happens... And a Christian student gets like disciplined by the school for his religious beliefs, or or if uh, the school decides to come after some Christian group or another. Generally, other Christian groups and Christians in, at the school do not come to the aid of the Christian in distress. I mean, they do a little bit. They might write a couple of letters to the administration or something, but they the the different Christian groups on on campus almost never come together and take like a united stand. And uh, we got to change that. We got to, when something like this happens on your campus, we have to convince all the other Christian groups and, we, and all the Christian groups on campus have to be of the mindset that, that in a situation like this, if you mess with one of us, you mess with us all. You know what I mean? We have to be willing to put our own, I guess, collegiate careers on the line for our, you know, our our brothers and sisters in that sense. Because, but that's not what usually happens. What usually happens, like, let's say, okay, Crew is a big campus ministry, right? And there's a there's a Crew division in, in, on my campus. So let's say somebody from Crew gets expelled for talking about gay marriage in a politically incorrect way, right? 
or let's say further that crew loses loses its status as a campus ministry on my campus because of something or another that the school was trying to force them to do that they wouldn't do, right? In most of those cases, the other Christian groups on campus will offer a little bit of moral support, but they'll basically go into hiding after that. They'll, you know, they'll keep a low profile and they won't really really do anything to really strongly come to the aid of, of crew in this situation. And I think that's part of how schools are able to get away with this stuff because the different Christian groups usually don't unite over this kind of stuff, at least not for very long and not in any kind of strong way. And I think the school knows that. You know, I think the school knows that our different, different beliefs within different denominations and groups kind of keep them from doing that. And therefore they know they can get away with basically pushing any particular Christian group around that they chose choose to focus on. But we can change this, guys. We can, uh, guys and girls, we can change this. Whatever campus you go to, whatever college you're in, I think all the I think all the Christian groups on campus should either meet or at least email once a month leadership among each other just for this very purpose of making sure other groups are okay and not in distress because of something the school is trying to force upon them. And if something does happen with one group, all the groups know about it, they all come together, and they take a united, strong stand. Now, when I say a united, strong stand, I don't mean stand up for a day or two and then back down when the, the, when the administration threatens to suspend you for the semester. No, you've got to stand your ground no matter what. And if the school decides to really be a hard-ass about it and suspend everybody in all Christian groups because you decided to take a stand in, defend of, in defense of your Christian brother, then so be it. You have to have that mentality. That would be one way of uh, well. That would be one way of handling things, and I, I think that's a pretty good idea. You know, because even if you're just like if you're an Assembly of God person, and another group belongs to like a Catholic group on campus, there's no reason why you can't put those differences to the side to fight in something like this, for something like this. Okay. So this is one solution to. That, that I can present to uh, in, our, in defense of religious freedom, which is to present a united front whenever, as Christians, whenever a school decides to go after a Christian group. But I have another solution too. And this is also something I've been playing around with for a while. Groups on campus... could simply, and this would I think this would also be a pretty good idea, groups on campus could simply revoke their own official status. So they could, uh, like for me personally, if I ever started my own group, whether the group got large or small, I would never even register with the campus. Okay, because I, 
once you do, you make yourself vulnerable to all these kind of situations that we were talking about. I think a lot of Christian groups, if, they're, if they don't want to take a united stand and present a united front like I was talking about earlier, I think that they should just reject their status at, as a campus group and start having their meetings off of campus property. You know, there's always like warehouses and buildings you can rent out and churches that'll let you use their use their space and stuff to hold your, you know, hold your weekly Bible meetings. So we as believers, we don't need the campus, okay? We don't we can still be a campus group like in a realistic sense without being a campus group in a technical sense. And if you're a, and if you're a, a group of Bible believing college students who meets off campus, who is not registered with the campus, then you're free. You're free of all this uh, potential drama that could uh, that could, that could come about with you being a campus group. You can still recruit college students because you're still going to meet college students you're recruiting from the campus, but in this case, you're independent of the campus. So the campus can't, for example, try to force you to accept an openly homosexual person in, in leadership, okay? They can't force you to do anything because you're, you're not under their authority whatsoever. So yeah, I honestly think one of the best routes to go, at least for the time being, the climate that we're standing in, the, the, the current uh, social climate that we're in today, is for every major group and even the minor groups to tell the campuses, hey, we don't need you, you know. We can still be crew or intervarsity or whatever without without the campus's help. So we don't need you. We don't need your space. We don't need your rooms. We'll hold our meetings elsewhere, okay? At that point, they have no power over you. And you're free to teach what you want, how you want, the way you want, out of the Bible, you are free to enforce any sort of church discipline that, that would need to happen. You're just free. You're free of anything that secular administrations can, can really do to it. They, they, have no re, they have no reach with which to reach out and touch you at that point. So yeah, I, I honestly think that one of those two solutions are the best. If you insist on staying on campus and being a campus group, an official group registered with the university, whatever university you're in, then you have to be willing to bite the bullet and take a stand for your Christian brethren and sisters when they, when they run into trouble with the school. Okay? But if you're willing to step away from the school to hold your meetings off the campus and to be free of the campus. You don't have to worry about this in the first place. Yeah, I hope something gets done. I hope the Christian groups on every campus in America gets together and decides on something, okay? So far, they really don't do anything. So far, like I said, when a group gets into trouble with the school, the group is left to pretty much fend for itself.
But we have to decide on one of these two factors, I think. One of these two solutions that I presented today. Because this is the only way we can contain this kind of stuff. Believe me when I tell you, secular universities are going to keep coming after us. This is no matter where you are, no matter where you are, my listeners, whether you're in the Midwest like me, whether you're in the South, whether you're in the East or West, or whether you're in friggin' Canada, doesn't matter. So we have to do something. Whether or not we decide to take a united stand, sort of a take-no-crap attitude from now on, all Christian groups standing together, sort of, or whether we decide we're not going to register with the university anymore as campus groups, as campus Christian groups, and we'll roll independently. I, I, I firmly believe that one of those two things has to happen in, a, in order for this kind of stuff to change. With that, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, uh, it will be segment two of the show. Kent Hammond, Faithcast, Faithcast University. So what are you doing back? Well, I sat back and thought about the things we used to do. It really meant a lot to me. You mean a lot to me. I really mean that much to you? Girl, you know it's true.
Kent Hammond back with Faithcast University. It's an old song I like there, Millie Vanilli, Girl, You Know It's True. I, you know, I, I usually go old school with, my, with the music I play for my breaks, but today I felt like going really old school, so that one was from like 1987 or 1988, but still a great song. Okay, so moving on. No, I was talking about Christian groups on, on, on campuses and college campuses in the last segment and how I was trying to present some solutions to the sort of problems that we've been having in the, over the last few years as far as school administrations and even other students coming after us and trying to like ban us from campus over you know certain politically incorrect stands that we're known to take we as a believer community is known to take. And uh, in this segment, I want to talk a little bit about how Christian groups hurt themselves and attract negative attention to themselves uh, with regard to the campus. Now, this isn't so much about attracting campus discipline as it is about attracting the wrong kind of attention and turning students off in general. There's a big, huge uh, Christian ministry on my campus. Probably the largest Christian ministry on any campus anywhere in America, I would imagine. I mean, this group has about 2,000 students, okay? And they make a lot of mistakes when they try to sort of attract people uh, to their to their group. You know, I remember at the beginning of the year, they had their annual uh, get-together thing that they do. They have this thing where all the students from this ministry, we'll just call it the Stone Pepper Ministry, okay? Because I don't want to say the real name of it. So let's just call it the Stone Pepper Ministry, and that's way off, but I, you know, I don't want you guys to know the real name of the ministry. <laughs> that's because I don't want you to know my real name and where I really go to school. But anyway, they have their little get-together or their big gathering on campus every year. And I'm a freshman, so this is the uh, first time I, I'd actually had a chance to see it. Okay, I didn't go to the gathering, but... Their gathering was at like 7.30 or 8 at night. And this was like in late August, early September. Um, and they were setting up at like 10, 10.30 in the morning. Okay? So I walked by them a few a few times on my way to class. And um, they had these like big Megatrons, Titantrons playing. And I remember being really turned off like when I walked by by there whenever I had to walk by there because they were playing like testimony videos with, with a little bit of music mixed in between. And uh, they were playing this at an, an obnoxiously loud level. I mean, they had their speakers on full blast. You could hear them like a mile and a half away, two miles away probably. Yeah, that's how loud it was. 
And so when you walked by the actual area where they were setting up to do their little get-together, I mean, it was deafening. And I myself, as a believer, was turned off by that. And everybody that walked by, you could just kind of see their faces. They just kind of turned their noses up at it because the thing is, they were just trying way too hard to attract attention. And when you try too hard, you know, it turns people off. You know, and it's sad because there was some, when I actually sat back and watched it, there were some cool testimonies and stuff. But they were turning the students off. Nobody wants to hear that kind of obnoxious loudness. Even college students, okay, do not want to hear that kind of obnoxious loudness at 1030 in the morning. You know what I mean? If it were 9.30 at night, you might have a little bit of a different story on your hands. But when people are thinking about classes and getting to classes and going to lunch or whatever, they're not trying to hear just incredibly loud, you know, speakers and titantrons and stuff. It's, it's disrespectful for one thing. And so that's why I was really surprised that they did it because, you know, it is disrespectful. You know what I mean? Especially at that, it's it's still the morning time and you're playing your stuff so loud that other people walking by can't even hear each other talk to each other because your freaking screens are so loud. You know, it's disrespectful. So that right there turned a lot of students off, I guarantee it. it turned me off. And then there was just like the trying too hard factor. And, uh, which is why they were playing this stuff so you know so loud in the first place. So I walked by there a few hours later, and they're no longer playing like obnoxiously loud, you know, music and testimonies. But they're testing out their like microphone equipment for the band that's going to play or whatever. And there's like you know there's a few students walking by, and one student apparently was walking by on a skateboard. I did not see this. Okay. I didn't see this student, but I saw one of the Christian guys from this group basically turn on his microphone and sort of trying to razz the student to come to uh, come to the ministry. So the student is walking by on the skateboard. Now, one of the ministries, I guess, one of the ways that they attracted attracted attention to their group was to offer free pizza, right? So you go you go you go into their space that day and you get a free slice of pizza or two free slices of pizza or something. And they, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That that's that, that's cool, you know? And um I, I commend them for that. They probably had to spend a you know a, a shit ton of money on pizza. And that's a nice thing for them to do. It's really nice, you know, for them to offer free pizza like that, which they spent their own money on this ministry. And you know, to offer it out to the students <clears throat> coming by. That's really good. And as a matter of fact, it's Christ-like. I can't knock that at all. I mean, that, that's that's a good move. It's a, it's a move that's attractive, and it's Christ-like. So you've got a great one-two punch of, uh, of bi biblical action there. But one of the ministers or pastors or whatever started to raz that student walking by on the skateboard that I that I told you about. He actually singled him out and he was like, Hey you, you on the skateboard. 
You should come over by us. We're offering free pizza. Hey, where are you going? Where are you walking to? I said free pizza. Come back here. I know you hear me, Mr. Dude in the green hat on the skateboard. Free pizza. And so, uh, I mean, he just kept razzing him like this for a little while. And again, I was, you know, I just kept walking, but I was just like, wow, they, I mean, they are just trying way too hard here, man. You know, this group is lucky that they already have a very large student population that's already a part of them because if they didn't, they, I don't, I don't know how else to word this. They, I, I don't think they would have that much luck in attracting people to their ministry. Um, you know, at least not when pulling stunts like that. But that's what they do. And I and I see a lot of other examples of stuff. I mean, that week was like a recruiting week. So everybody who wanted to recruit anybody to any kind of group, whether it was a Christian group, a fraternity, sorority, you know, an academic group, whatever, all the groups were out and they had their little tables. Okay, this includes the fraternities and the sororities. Now, for frat guys, okay, fraternities are known for being loud, okay? They are, I mean, all they do is get drunk, get loud, and try to get laid. You know, that's what frat guys do. And even they weren't as obnoxiously loud as the Christian groups on campus. Or at least this particular Christian group. If you're louder at 10.30 in the morning at your booth than most frat guys are at 10.30 at night. You're going too far. I mean, you're just trying too hard. I don't know what else to say. But I didn't say all of this to uh, to cut this group down necessarily. I, I just want to make the point. I just want to make the point that Christian groups and Christians in general do try too hard when, when when talking to a secular person or when trying to attract secular people to their their ministry. They overdo their advertising and they try too hard to seem too interested in people's lives. I mean, I, I don't want to go through every example I've seen, but I, being around believers, I, I see it almost daily sometimes. And I think a lot of people just need to stop and be themselves. I mean, you can advertise and you can try to attract attention, but you know when you're trying too hard. And when uh, when you when, when you're getting to that level, don't stop the car, but take your foot off the gas a little bit, right? Let the gospel message you're trying to present speak for itself through your mouth instead of trying so hard to speak for it, you know. With that, I'm going to take another break. I honestly don't know what I'm going to talk about in the last segment because today is sort of a variety-type show, but what should I play for break this time? How about some Joey McIntyre? Here we go.
Kent Hammond back with College Faith Radio, and this will be the final segment of the show. Wow, I seriously still don't know what I'm even going to talk about. We talked about Christian groups being harassed on college campuses by school administrators, and we talked about Christian groups sort of trying too hard to attract other people to their groups and to the gospel message. I suppose that last song I played kind of is a remedy for that. You know, part of the reason Christian group, Christian groups and Christians in general have a hard time spreading the gospel message is because they don't really, they go into it with sort of a pre-recorded, pre-recorded approach. You know, they're, they're just going to, when they're trying to present the gospel to somebody, they're just going to repeat like something they heard somebody say or they're going to repeat what somebody told them to say or something like that. And they could just release the gospel in little bits and pieces and be themselves, right? You know, get to know people on a personal level instead of just spitting out the whole gospel message as fast as you can and, you know, hoping people accept it. I really think that's where a lot of Christians go wrong. I, I've, I've seen that a hundred times, you know. So I, I know of once I speak, and I've done it. You know what I mean? I've done it. But the people I've had the most success with, as far as bringing them to the gospel message and at least getting them to open up with, open up to the gospel message, are the people that I just talk to like a normal person instead of going in it with some sort of Christian sales pitch. You know what I mean? And in a lot of cases, I didn't even tell them the entire gospel message. The conversation was such that uh, I was only able to release bits and pieces to some of these people at times. And that's good enough, too. When you're presenting the gospel, there's no law that says you have to present the entire thing up front right away or else you're not doing it right. I know that's what a lot of pastors say, but that's not reality. Sometimes you can just, and, and I think, in, honestly, in most cases, you can just drop hints or drop parts of the gospel message on somebody during the course of a conversation and let their curiosity take them further into the gospel message later on that night or that week when they start thinking about some of the things you were saying. You know, you haven't failed just because you didn't present the entire gospel message in, in, in one conversation. But I think a lot of Christians feel like they would, and so they just try to, like, get everything out, you know, in one conversation and people sense your sort of tension and your nervousness and, and it, you know, it turns them off. So like Joey McIntyre just said in the song I just played, be yourself. Don't force the gospel message. Don't over-advertise the gospel message. 
either in your body language or in your actual advertising. Just be yourself and let the right words come out. If you didn't get to the part of the gospel message with a particular person about sin and repentance, that's okay. You still told them about the love of Jesus. And as long as you piqued their curiosity and kept their interest, they might be willing to explore the matter further and find out the rest on their own. we got to stop thinking that there's just one way to preach the gospel. There isn't. Everybody has different personalities. Everybody has different ways of like speaking and different ways of like accepting how processing the information that you're giving them. So just let it flow naturally and what comes out, what com comes out. As long as what you're saying isn't anti-gospel, you're doing the right thing. Okay? So that's about what I have to say for today's podcast. Today's going to be a shorter podcast than usual by about 10 minutes or so. I just got nothing left to say today. But uh, as always, if you enjoyed the show, please donate at paypal.me slash K-E-N-T-H-A-M-M-O-N-D. That's paypal.me slash Kent Hammond. Uh, this is all I have to say. God bless. Until next time.